go, so we'll get started. But before we do, um, if you would give me the liberty, I, I would just like to say from the Turner household, I think most of you know the last couple of months have been kind of crazy for us, but just want to say thank you to the congregation uh, from, from us. Um, we feel it's a blessing to be a part of this congregation. The love that y'all, that we have, the support, and especially your prayers, we really felt those uh, the last couple of weeks um, with what we were going through with my father-in-law's um, passing away. So we do thank you for that. And I just wanted to take a second to publicly thank the congregation for, for your love, support, and your prayers. So thank you uh, from the Turner household. So as we begin, let's, uh, let's open with prayer. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to be in your house this morning. Father, you are the creator of all things and the giver of all things. And you are the author and the finisher of our salvation. As we continue our study in your word, specifically in the book of James, we ask that you give us a renewed, deeper, and richer understanding of what faith is and what faith looks like as we live our lives. Would you use your servant today, this morning, to speak the truth that we need to hear? May we receive your word with meekness. May we become better listeners and doers of your word. We ask these things in Christ Jesus. Amen. As we continue our study in James, James is giving us a practical help and a guide of how we should live as Christians. The Lord has graciously given us his word so that we can gain knowledge of him, but also that we will know how to live as Christians. For if we are made new creatures in Christ, then we should act and live in different way than we used to. Just as Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old or the old ways have passed away, and behold, the new has come. For the emphasis of the book of James is not about becoming Christians, but it is about how Christians should act and how they should behave. If we profess to be Christians, then it is imperative that we take heed to what the Lord is telling us through his servant, James. We must listen well and be hearers of the word. But also, James is telling us we must be doers of the word as well. And this reminds me of what Jesus said to the woman in Luke eleven twenty seven. And as Jesus was preaching these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to Jesus, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But Jesus said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God. And did Jesus end there? Well, no, he didn't. He said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and do what? They keep it. So what does Jesus mean that he wants us to keep his word? Well, he wants us to follow his word. He wants, to, wants us to follow him. And he wants, to, he wants us to do what he commands. He wants us to be obedient. Jesus also tells us in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will do what? keep my commandments. So in other words, we, we will be doers of the words. There is an action that is required of us 
For all of us, this section and this book should be very convicting. So I hope you wore your steel-toed boots this morning because probably be stepping on some toes. And at least I know it was very convicting for me as I was going through this study for this morning. But we must remember that we are all in the same boat. We are all in this together. For later in chapter 3, verse 2, James tells us that we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. Now, I only know of one perfect man. So as you can see, we all are in need of the, these instructions this morning. So before we dive into the scripture, I was trying to come up with a musical reference in honor of Dr. Reams. And the only thing I could come up with was a song from a musical. And if anybody recognizes this title of the musical, just shout it out. It's about a professor of linguistics who is trying to take a poor woman off the street. What? There you go, my fair lady. Ding, ding, we have a winner. <laughs> Good. Um, as you know, trying to take a, a poor woman off the street and make her into a person that would fit into high society by changing how she talks and how she acts, i.e. making her into a new creature or a new person. In the process, she falls in love he falls in love with her, but he doesn't know quite how to express this, even though he's a linguistic. In the song that Eliza Doolittle sings, Show Me, she basically tells Freddie, the professor, words, words, I am so sick of words. I get words all day through. Is that all you can do? Don't talk stars burning above. If you're in love, show me. Don't say how much, show me. And don't waste my time. Just show me. Well, I believe that is what James is trying to do as well. If you love the Lord, then show it. If you love the Lord Jesus, then there must be more to our words. There must be actions too. We must not only be hearers of the word, but we also must be doers of the word. So let's dive into our verses this morning. I'm going to read James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. Hear the word of God. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. 
Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstrained from the world. So as we look at verse 19, knowing this, my brother, my beloved brothers, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Isn't this just contrary to what the world and the culture teaches? With today's social media and blogging, where everyone and anyone seems to be spouting off about anything and everything. Everyone has an opinion that they want to share. It makes you wonder how important our words are. Is there any accountability of what we say? Ferguson states in the book we're going through that as Christians, we need to be deeply counter-cultural. James tells us that we are to be quick to listen, slow to speak, but yet most times we are just the opposite, aren't we? We are quick to speak, and we really do not listen, or we don't listen well. We may act like we are listening, but usually we are forming our defense or thinking about what we want to say next. One of the things that I've learned in my 30 plus years in public education when listening to complaints or concerns is to wait and hear to understand what the problem or the concerns are. You see, there were times when I knew what the problem was before the person came in and I was ready to give a solution only to find out that wasn't the concern that this person may have. Then I had to deal with two problems and also had to deal with a bunch of headaches and a bunch of apologies to try to make up for not listening. So why is James telling us to be quick to hear and slow to speak? Well, because we, it produces the anger of men. It leads to the anger of men when we don't. And the anger of men does not produce the righteousness of God. If being quick to hear and slow to speak will result in slow to anger, then the opposite is true. To be quick to speak and slow to hear will result in being quick to anger. I would bet that we all know of or have known some people like this. They are usually not very nice or pleasant people to be around. And James is telling us that folks that are quick to speak and quick to anger are those that cannot bridle their tongues. And we will discuss an unbridled tongue a little bit more in detail in a few minutes. And when one has a loose tongue, they are in danger of losing control and being and begin to express the enmity in their hearts. Angry Christians do not truly know themselves. Ferguson stated that angry Christians are spiritually immature and they assume that they are the guardians of the righteousness of God. But James is clear about this, that they are not the guardians of the righteousness of God, because man's anger cannot produce the righteousness of God. Remember what Jesus told us in Matthew 12, 34, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So one who is quick to speak and slow to hear has an angry heart. My father-in-law used to give very quick pointed sayings to the children often that they would like to repeat. And one of them might have been when they stubbed their toe or they hit their finger when they were trying to hit a nail. 
he would always say, it would feel better when it quits hurting. Well, another one that he would often say too is that the Lord gave us two ears and one mouth so we should listen twice as much as we should speak. And I believe this is what James is telling us too, that we are to listen twice as much as we speak so that we will be slow to anger. Man's anger is generally counterproductive. We usually do not know when to stop our anger. Oh, how we like to hold grudges, don't we? We like to get in the last word or put someone in their place. We sometimes like to use sarcasm to really get someone. But this does not please, please God, does it? This does not produce the righteousness of God. And if you stop to think about it, the term angry Christian is really an oxymoron, kind of like jumbo shrimp. Took a second. James is telling us how we should act and how we should treat each other. But I wonder if James has a deeper meaning as well. For the ones who are quick to speak and slow to hear or slow to listen, I believe this spills over to our spiritual life as well. For how, we are brought, how are we brought into the saving faith? Well, back in verse 18, James tells us that we are brought in by the word of truth. If we are the ones that do not listen or listen well, then we are not hearing the word of God as we ought. If we are speaking and not listening, then how will we hear when God speaks to us? Listening is something that we need to work on. If we are always speaking, then we lose that ability to listen and listen well and listen to others. Think about this, and I am talking to myself as well. Have you ever sat in a sermon, but yet you were wondering about what it's going to be for lunch? Or about the game yesterday on Saturday? Or the conversations that you will have after church with someone? I know I'm guilty of this. And there are times when I was not being a good listener. I missed out on what the Lord was trying to tell me. I wasn't speaking out loud, obviously, but I was speaking to myself. And we must be, may we be, better listeners and slow to speak. James next exhorts us in verse 21 to put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. We know that when we are regenerated, that we are, are not completely made spiritually whole. We are creatures, but there are still sinful, or new creatures, but there are still sinful desires that are indwelling sin that is within us. These things do not magically disappear. We must continue to put to death our filthiness and our evil desires. And we think of Ephesians 4, 22 and 24, through 24. Paul tells us to put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through the deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. But as new creatures, there should be evidence of a new life. Our speech, our listening skills should improve. Our control over our emotions and our temperament should all reflect a changed life. I love to hear people's backstories and how 
they got to where they are and how the Lord has worked through their lives and through the providence and how he's worked all things together. And a lot of times people, as they are saved or have they become regenerate, one of the things that is mentioned is that they realize that they were a new creature or being saved is by the way they speak and how they speak. So here's another um, way that we know that there's evidence of a new life is how we speak. If we're slow to speak, if our speech changes and so forth. Again, putting off the old ways. So how do we go about doing these things? Well, James tells us that if we are to receive, to hear, to listen to the implanted word with meekness, for this is what saves our souls. When we do receive the word of God, what activities do we participate in when we receive the word of God? Well, in Bible study, in studying your word, reading the word, sitting under sound preaching, morning and evening, uh, listening to sermons, listening to sound sermons. And you think about, you know, James uses the word implanted, the implanted word. It brings to mind seeds. And it brings to mind, too, the parable of the sower in Mark 4. And you think about this, this parable in Mark 4, Jesus starts this parable with one word. You think, does anybody remember what that word is? It's listen, exactly. I think I heard it. Listen. Jesus says, listen and behold. A sower went out to sow, and he sowed, as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing, yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And listen to how Jesus ended this parable. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Again, listen. We need to be listening. And as Jesus explains, remember the disciples themselves didn't quite understand the parable, so he, they asked Jesus to explain the parable. So Jesus explains, the sower sows the word. So the seed is the word. The word that, that's implanted in us is that seed, the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown to them. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground. And the ones, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the world, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke, choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown in the good soil are the ones who, and listen, catch this, hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. 
30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. So here, we're, you know, Jesus talks about the ones that hear the word and accept the word. Well, if we don't listen well, we're not going to hear the word. If we're sitting in a sermon like I have done and not paying attention or distracted, I don't hear the word. So we need to be active in our spiritual growth. When we receive the implanted word with meekness and humility, then we can become doers of the word, as verse 22 tells us. And verse 22 tells us, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. And notice the order. We need to be hearers first, and then doers. And that order can never be the other way around. James warns us of two types of deception. In verse 22, deceiving yourself, and in the Greek, it means the idea of going astray. The Greek word that is used there in verse 22 is the meaning of the idea of going astray. Later in verse 26, he talks about deceives his heart, and we'll get to that in a minute. But that Greek word implies the idea of misleading ourselves, and we will get to that in just a second. But we are very good at persuading ourselves and others that we are doing the God, what we're doing is God's will. And we are master justifiers, aren't we? We can justify anything if we want to. James gives us an example of one who deceives themselves in verses 23 through 24. So if you'd look with me there, verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. So we think about a mirror. What does a mirror do? It, it shows you reflection of, your, of who you are. It shows your blemishes. You're having a bad hair day. And what generally do we do when we look in the mirror? We try to improve our looks or we try to improve those blemishes if we can but if we look at the mirror oh I look pretty good today and then you go off and forget well I think James has a little bit deeper meaning here about using comparing the mirror with the with the scriptures with the law with the Bible so if a man looks into the Bible and says hey I'm not so bad or I'm not as bad as my neighbor and goes away and is not impacted or affected by that, then he deceives himself. But if a man looks into the scriptures, into the Bible, and realizes his sinful state, and realizes that he has blemishes, and realizes his state before a holy God, I think that's what James is getting at, that that man repents and takes action and is obedient. That man is a hearer and a doer, where the first man deceives himself. <clears throat> so the man who is a hearer of the word, but not a doer of the word, this man sits in a church such as ours under sound preaching, <clears throat> but does not, or when he leaves, he's not impacted by that word that he just heard. And I once worked with a man who claimed to be a Christian, but yet there was no evidence in his life. So I, in talking with him, I asked him, I said, why do you consider yourself a Christian? And his response was, well, I live in a Christian nation, don't I? That makes me a Christian. 
So I think he was deceiving himself. But again, there was no evidence of being a Christian. There was no evidence of a relationship with Christ. <clears throat> so sitting under sound preaching does not automatically make us mature Christians. If we have an imaginary obedience with no lasting impression on us from hearing the word, then we are like the man who looks intently in the mirror and forgets what he looks like. And notice the word intently. James uses that word intently. So he's, look, he's not like just glancing in the mirror. He's looking intently in this mirror. And the same word is used, I believe it was John, when he was looking into the tomb, the empty tomb. He was stooping down, looking in, and trying to study what was going on, that there was no body. So if this is us, if we have this heart of soil, we are either in the pathway, the rocky soil, or the thorn-infested soil. For again, the mirror shows our blemishes, and it's how we respond to that. The Bible reveals our sins, and how do we respond to that? So James doesn't leave us hanging there with bad news. He gives us a cure in verse 25. So let's look at verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So the one who hears is the one who is the doer of the word, will receive the blessings in his doing. God's word changes us, and his word works in our lives to change our desires, and in effect, makes us want to please God and to obey him. Our desires changes so that we want to live in obedience to the perfect law. For we work out what the spirit works in us through the word. And that's Philippians 2. We must be persevering in obedience to the word as well as intently looking into it. Next, James tackles the issue of those that cannot bridle their tongue. Let's look at verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. I think we all could think about those that are, excuse me, good orators that can win most arguments or debates. We think about those that always seem to say the right thing or to recite scripture at the drop of a hat. We may also think of those that have a strong opinion and they love to share it. Well, these qualities alone are sometimes confused with spiritual maturity or of being a good leader. But James tells us that this is not true. James teaches that true godliness is found in those that can bridle their tongue. True godliness does not just assent to the word of God, but it lives the word of God. And Ferguson states that being opinionated or being able to dominate conversations is never a mark of grace, whereas the ability to say nothing often is. James tells us that a person with an unbridled tongue deceives his own heart and, is, and his religion is worthless and has a self-deceived heart. An unbridled tongue is very serious in God's eyes. It is worthless, useless, fruitless, and it lacks integrity. 
So we must ask ourselves, do we prefer to talk about the things of God rather than do the things of God? Is knowledge of the truth more important than obedience to the truth? No, hearing the word of God and doing the word of God should go hand in hand. I just want to briefly look over at 1 Samuel 15. Give you a second to get there. 1 Samuel 15. This is Samuel talking to Saul after he had been disobedient and the Lord told him to go and, I believe it was the Amalekites, to the, um, destroy them, but yet he kept uh, some of the spoil for himself. And in verse 22, Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of the rams. Verse 23, For rebellion is in the sin of divination, and presumption in, is as iniquity and adultery, adultery, idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of God, he has also rejected you from being king. So those are pretty powerful words about being obedient. And then also, um, looking at Matthew um, chapter 21, verse 28 through 31. Again, that's Matthew 21. There we go. Verses 28. And this is the uh, parable of the two sons. What do you think? Jesus is asking, what do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward he changed his mind, and he went. And he went to the other son. The father went to the other son and said to the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of the father? And they said, the first. And that is correct. Some translations, the, where the talked about the son changed his mind and he went. A couple of translations trained, uh, translate that as he changed his heart or his heart was changed. Or I believe the King James uses the word repented. He repented and went. So he was obedient. So here we need to be hearers of the word and also be obedient and doers of the word. So as we end this section today, with James giving us a summary in verse 27, which is verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the orphans, the widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unrestrained from the world. So real Christianity means doing those things that expresses the heart of God, which is to visit orphans and widows in their afflictions. Why do you think James chooses to use orphans and widows in his... Exactly. Exactly. They can't. The answer was they can't do anything to improve their lot in life or uh, their position. And as we've heard from uh, the pulpit, that in that time frame, orphans or children were not really 
valued as well as widows. And you remember in Acts, how were deacons? Why were deacons brought into uh, created? But why were deacons um, established? Because it was to take care of the widows that were being neglected. And also, you think about they exactly they don't have a means or mechanism to improve their lot in life. So, I think of Matthew twenty-five when Jesus says, "Because of the least of these." So finally, James implies that developing a lifestyle free from this world's ideas and desires that draw our attention away from God into ourselves, we should put that away. We must live an unblemished life, and we must keep a bridled tongue, and we must be hearers and doers of the word. I want to leave us with, uh, Ferguson leaves us with four R's. So kind of like four points here, and that is to receive, to reject, reserve, respond, and I'll go over those. Number one, receive, and that is to receive the word of God with meekness of spirit. And we think about 1 Samuel 3, 9, when we hear Samuel saying, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So again, that's receive the word of God with meekness of spirit. Number two, reject. Reject whatever is ungodly in your heart. Again, reject whatever is ungodly in your heart. So we must use the Bible as a mirror to our lives and see, use that to see where it points out our sins and we need to repent. We need to try to fix the blemishes that we have. We need to work that out. Number three, reserve or store up the Word of God in our hearts. Again, that's reserve or store up the Word of God in our hearts. Psalm 119.11, I've hidden your word in my heart so I may not sin against you. And then four, respond to those that are in need. And again, we see that in verse 27, and we see that in Matthew 25, when he, Jesus talks about the least of these, the separation of the sheep and the goats. So the book of James, if this book takes root in our hearts as the implanted word, if we receive it with meekness, then our lives will be changed and it will make an impact on our whole being. When what we say finds its way into what we do, then our faith will be unavoidable to miss. So we need to ask ourselves, is there an observable difference in me? Am I a hearer and a doer of the word? Are the old ways being put to death and the new ways becoming stronger? So here we see in this passage, James is giving us how we should live as Christians, how we should treat each other as Christians. Are there any questions or comments uh, through this section? Hopefully... I hope that you were convicted to some degree because we all need to hear this as we are bombarded with the world, the flesh, and our own desires. Um, okay. Uh, not seeing any questions or comments, and let me close with prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given your word to us 
not only that we may learn more about you because you've revealed yourself through your word, but also, Father, you've given us instructions and guidelines on how we should act and behave. And, Father, we pray that we would be good listeners. We pray that you would help us to be uh, slow to speak, quick to hear, so that we would be slow to anger. Help us to be more like Christ every day as we go about our day. Father, as we prepare our hearts now to worship you this morning, we pray that you'd be with Pastor Silas as he brings us the message this morning. Father, we pray that we would not be distracted by the cares of the world, the cares of the day, that we would be intently looking into your word and that you would, your word would pierce our hearts so that we would be obedient, have the desire to be obedient and be doers of the word as James has instructed us this morning. We give you all praise and glory, and we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.